Good afternoon, classic movie fans. I'd like to welcome you all to another episode of our Classic Hollywood Memories podcast. In today's episode, we're going to discuss the great career of Cary Grant. And Cary Grant is noteworthy because I feel if you were to think about which performer embodies the excellence of Hollywood's golden age, you know, the substance, the creativity, the glamour, the longevity, I would have to think it would be Cary Grant. Because not only is he remembered today, remembered fondly for his flair for comedy and dramatic excellence, but also culturally, because he's also remembered for his acute fashion sense on screen and off screen. And it's interesting that a lot of the people today who maybe have not explored a lot of his movie catalog, they do know him for his fashion sense and that template that he established for leading men at that time and just for men in general down to this day and age. So now going into his movie career, Cary Grant, that's not his real name, as some of most of you should know, he was born uh, Archibald Alexander Leach, and he was born in England, 1904. And of course, when you read some of his autobiographies, he went through a lot to really transition and to get his foot in the doors of Hollywood at that time. So you might want to explore some of those recent autobiographies that came out in the last couple of years that talk about that, how he ventured and was able to come to America, some of the things that he had to do here in New York City to try to save up and gain that acclaim in uh, Broadway and in movies. So in 1932, he did it, he appeared in his first picture, and it was a you know lightweight supporting role. This is the night, 1932. But it wasn't until 1933 where he got that exposure and was actually appreciated somewhat by the movie critics and the all movie audiences started to gravitate towards him. And it was two movies that he did with the great Mae West, and they were both in 1933. She Done Him Wrong and I'm No Angel. Now, of course, Mae West was the established star at that time, but Carrie did really well in the scenes that he did with her. And so, of course, it created that buzz it created that it factor. And of course, movie producers and studios recognized that. So they saw there that he can actually excel with some of the leading ladies of the 1930s. So when you look at his movie catalog from 1933 all the way to 1940, he acted with pretty much some of the most dominant leading ladies of that time. You know, he did movies with Gene Harlow, Myrna Loy, Joan Bennett, Loretta Young. And Irene Dunn, Catherine Hepburn, so on. Of that continued all the way to the end of his movie career. But in the 30s, he did movies with all of them, and some of them, like Carol Lombard, they were in the beginning stages of their ascent into Hollywood. Also, did movies with the great comedian Gene Arthur. So that's a show. That's another part of Cary Grant's uh, greatness was that not only can he complement those leading ladies and those roles, but some of those scripts that he was picked to work with them, they actually shined along with him. And usually whenever you pair up two big stars, usually one will overshadow the other. And in this case, in almost all these roles, Cary Grant complemented his co-star very well. And that's why those movies are distinguished to this day. But from 1933 to 1930, from 1932, when he started out to 1937... You know, a lot of those movies were just supporting roles. And it's interesting that from 1932 to 1937, he appeared in over 25 pictures. 
in mostly lightweight, nondescript movie roles. But 1937 was the year where he became Cary Grant, the Cary Grant that we know today. And it was because of two pictures. And the first one was Topper with the underrated Constance Bennett. And of course, 1937's The Awful Truth. Now, these are two excellent screwball comedies. And those are the ones that you have to see to get an idea to see where Cary Grant's movie career evolved from. And The Awful Truth was probably that signature picture of the screwball comedies in the 30s that he did. So if you want to start off, if you, let's say as someone here doesn't know too much about Cary Grant, you want to see what he embodied in that time, then The Awful Truth is the movie you should start with. In 1937 with the great Irene Dunn, who's sadly underrated today. He did three pictures with her, and she was one of the greatest movie actresses from the 30s and 40s. And she pretty much was a top star from the beginning to the end of her career. Now, in 1938 was significant because this is the second attempt that he did with Carrie, with um, Catherine Hepburn. The first movie they did together in 1935, Sylvia Scarlet, is a widely panned movie. And it did not do well at all with movie audiences. In fact, it was a disaster. And it actually contributed to that steady decline in Catherine Hepburn's career in the 30s until she resurrected it in the 1940s. And so here in 1938, they did two pictures together. Another classic screwball comedy, although it wasn't well received at the time, was Bringing Up Baby. Him and Carrie, uh, Catherine Hepburn and Cary Grant did this movie. And at the time, it did not do well. But today, it's recognized by movie critics, audiences alike over the decades for its impact on the screwball comedy genre. And that's one of the ones that should be remembered. So those two right there, the awful truth, bringing up baby, really are emblematic of what the screwball comedy genre was like in the 1930s. And you can gain appreciation for how popular it was and how great Carrie was at that, along with his leading ladies there. And that, but... 1938, that same year, he did another movie with Katherine Hepburn, and I actually prefer this one a little bit more than Bringing Up Baby, it was 1938's The Holiday. Now, this one, of course, had some comedic moments, but this one also had was, a, I would say, a dramedy, what they call today. It had, did have a romantic, dramatic angle, and I like this movie because the ending was very powerful, and it taught a valuable lesson that wealth and money don't buy happiness, so... You know, it's part of Columbia Pictures' uh, movie catalog, and they did a nice um, uh, movie collection edition of those movies. So if you definitely can get that, you might want to see that. It was digitally remastered. It looks terrific. So that was a good movie. I love that one, 1938's Holiday. Now, 1939 was interesting because this is the, where Cary Grant e continued to evolve as a performer. As I mentioned, in the 1930s, he pretty much was a co-leading man. He complimented the leading ladies of his day. He was distinguishing himself in comedy. But 1939 was the first time where you can say he really excelled in a dramatic role. He showed that other side. And the movie that you have to see to see that ability of his was in 1939's Only Angels Have Wings. And this one was great because... Not only was this a dramatic movie, but he did it. His co-star was one of the great comedians of that time, which was Gene Arthur. But this movie's remembered today, not just for the fact that, of course, Cary Grant was in it. And, of course, it was one of his first dramatic roles. But this movie is noteworthy because this Rita Hayworth was starting her career ascent 
And this is one of the pictures where she too was increasing her exposure and getting notices by the critics. So that movie is historical for that purpose. Great picture, great dramatic role. Cary Grant played here uh, a manager of a company that he was actually risking his pilot's lives just to be able to procure a big contract. And you can see here he showed a side of, you know, coldness, uh, borderline cruelty, lack of empathy. But it was a terrific movie. And you could see that other side. You could see that he was arriving and evolving in his craft. He didn't just get typecast into one genre, which is comedy. He was showing that other side. So this movie showed a nice template. And I believe that if he didn't do this movie, maybe, who knows, he probably would never have gotten that notice or picked by Alfred Hitchcock to do some of those other dramatic and suspense thrillers that he did in the 1940s and 50s, which we're going to get into in a few minutes. So 1939, he did another dramatic role, In Name Only. And this one was great because not only did he act with the great Carol Lombard, who also was one of the gifted comedians of that time, but this was a dramatic role. This was a romantic uh, drama showing about how a man, Cary Grant, in this role, was married and discovers that his wife doesn't love him for the right reasons. So you could just imagine how disillusioned his character was. And then what happens? He makes a connection with this other woman, Carrie, Carol Lombard's character. And of course, all the issues that ensue when a married man gets involved with or starts falling in love or developing feelings for someone else. But of course, you again see Carrie in that dramatic role. You get to see the sentimental aspects to his character. And you could just see him blossoming right before our eyes as a excellent performer in pictures. And what I like about this movie too is something that has to be mentioned here is that Carol Lombard recruited uh, Kay Francis to play the the role of the wife, the gold digger wife of Cary Grant in this movie. And it's interesting because Kay Francis was also a great star in the 1930s, but her career was on the decline at this point. But Carol Lombard, you know, pitched in and tried to help her to resurrect her career. And so I thought that was really noteworthy that she did that. And of course, all three performers were excellent. And that's a great movie. So 1939, two dramatic roles. Well, only Angels Have Wings and In Name Only. Now, in 1940, he started the year going back to his roots, the romantic comedies. And he did this excellently, excellently with uh, Rosalind Russell and His Girl Friday in 1940. 1940, this movie was terrific because, of course, not only did it cap off the screwball comedy genre, which dominated the 1930s, you know, during the Great Depression. That's what people wanted to see to get an outlet for all their troubles. So it just came in at the right time and it did really well for all the movie studios. So His Girl Friday was terrific because in that time they did a lot of pictures dealing with the newspaper and journalist, journalism industry. And this one was great because not only did it have its, its comedic moments, but the witty and fast-paced dialogue was monumental. And you have to see that if you haven't. And I think His Girl Friday was such an important picture that and it's grown in appreciation over the decades that it wouldn't surprise me if next time the American Film Institute does the 100 greatest movies list that they usually do every 10 to 12 years, I would not be surprised if His Girl Friday finds its way on that list. Because in the prior list to that, in 2007, there were some pictures that found their way in that list that weren't in the previous one. So usually as the movie critics and audiences 
some pictures as time progresses, they obtain a more relevance or impact, especially as the times that we're living in, they kind of resemble what that picture was. Or some pictures were just ahead of their time, weren't well received in that era, but now they're more appreciated now. So I think His Girl Friday will find its way on that list. It's grown in appreciation in the last few decades. And of course, 1940, with the great Irene Dunn, another top actress and comedian, and they did three movies together, and they, the middle picture here was 1940, My Favorite Wife. It's another great uh, comedy picture, and this one was good because it also featured Randolph Scott. And of, of course, most of you may know Randolph Scott and Cary Grant were good friends. They lived together. And of course, there were rumors of you know, the origins of why they lived together for so long. But I'm not going to get into those things because like a lot of that is conjecture. You know, we don't want to get into speculation. You know, we just want to focus on what they did in their movie careers. But if you want to explore the biographies, you'll be able to see the theories of what took place there when they lived together. And so maybe that's something that you might want to look into. But so, of course, with Irene Dunn, they both were great. I don't think this, this picture was good, but I don't think it was as good as The Awful Truth, of course. But it still was good to see them join forces again and do another uh, good picture. And it's interesting here, Carrie, 1940 was such a powerful year for him because not only did he do His Girl Friday, My Favorite Wife, but he also in that same year had a horrible picture, which most people to this day consider it that way. And even he, I believe, if I read somewhere in his biography that 1940s, The Howards of Virginia was one of those pictures that he was not happy that he made. It, has, it did not do well at the time. It has not stood the test of time. So, you know, sometimes for every home run, we're going to hit a dud there. And so that's what happened. The Howards of Virginia was not a well-received picture. But if you want to check it out just to explore his catalog like other uh, movie fans do. But 1940s, The Philadelphia Story. This movie was historical for the simple fact that not only did Katherine Hepburn and Cary Grant join forces again for another terrific picture, because the Philadelphia story always comes up in the list of top 100 greatest movies. But it's interesting that when Katherine Hepburn bought the rights to this Broadway play that she did when, you know, in 1938, her career, you know, collapsed. She was considered box office poison in a famous article that was written so what did she do to rehabilitate her career? She went back to Broadway and she ended up buying the rights to this, um, uh, the Philadelphia story. Did, it did excellently in Broadway. So, of course, she bought the rights to make it into a picture. And I was reading that when she orig the original plan was to have Clark Gable and Spencer Tracy play the two male leads in this picture. But, of course, she was unable to do so and had to settle for Cary Grant and Jimmy Stewart. And that's interesting when you say had to settle because, you know, I mean, Cary Grant and Jimmy Stewart, two great stars. But at that time, Clark Gable and Spencer Tracy were on a higher plane than they two were because they were at that time, 1940, Spencer had two Academy Awards and Clark Gable had one. And so obviously Jimmy Stewart was still also his career was ascending and Cary's was as well. But of course, the Philadelphia story, one of the greatest pictures romantic comedies ever made. I mean, just the cinematography, the script, the screenplay was excellent. I mean, this was just a movie that this carry started off the decade greatly here. And so that's one of the movies I'm sure you have seen it. 
If you haven't, that's definitely in your top five. Out of the 60-plus movies Carrie did, that has to be in the top five, The Philadelphia Story. And it's good because Jimmy Stewart won the Academy Award for Best Actor as a performer in this movie. So you definitely will, will enjoy some of those great comedic moments. And Ruth Hussey did a great job in that role as well. So you, The Philadelphia Story, 1940. Now, 1941, again, we see Carrie evolving between... A comedian and also dramatic actor and in 1941 he did Penny Serenade and here this was a drama and this was also had a, a sentimental tearjerker with Irene Dunn this is their last movie that they did together and this is one of my favorites you know this one here Carrie and Irene were trying to have a family she couldn't conceive so you get to see their uh, their struggles as a young couple and, you know, they both played an endearing role and you both felt sorry for them. You, they, they showed a lot of humility in their roles. And Carrie was actually nominated for an Academy Award for his performance in this movie. So that's when you definitely have to appreciate that famous scene where he's pleading for, to be able to get the to adopt the, the baby. That was very powerful. And so he showed right there what he was capable of. You know, unfortunately, that was their last movie they did together. It would have been good if they did a few more, but uh, Irene Dunn and Cary Grant did well in their three pictures together, culminating with Penny Serenade. And also in 1941, Suspicion, the first movie he did with Alfred Hitchcock. And this movie was terrific. And of course, Joan Fontaine, this movie's remembered because Joan Fontaine won the Academy Award for Best Actress, the only actor or actress to win an Oscar in an Alfred Hitchcock movie. Now, she was great in that role, and I love Joan Fontaine, but to me, Cary Grant, the role that he played here in comparison to the roles he did prior, he never did a, he never had a role like this. To play someone who's being suspected of trying to kill his own wife, and he was terrific here. So you definitely have to see that, and of course, this picture gets overshadowed a bit, with some of the other pictures he did with Alfred Hitchcock and their collaborations together. But Suspicion was an A-list picture, so you will definitely enjoy that. Now, when you go down the line, he did other good movies. You know, some of them were comedies. And, like, for example, he did Once Upon a Honeymoon with uh, the great Ginger Rogers when she was venturing out from her partnership with Fred Astaire and wanted to do more dramatic roles on her own. And this one was very good as well. Mr. Lucky. That one was terrific, too, with uh, underrated Lorraine Day, which I did an episode on her. So you might want to see that as well. And then, of course, Destination Tokyo. He did this one with John Garfield, another great underrated performer from that time. And this one was, of course, during World War II. So it was good to raise morale. And you could see all the adventures that took place there. So he did really nice there. Now, when you keep going down the line, he continued. You know, so there was a couple of uh, underrated pictures there. He did Arsenic and Old Lace with uh, Priscilla Lane, another good performer at that time. But 1944, he received his second Academy Award nomination, None But the Lonely Heart. And this is another one. This is not a comedic role. This is a drama. And he did it with the great Ethel Barrymore. So you might want to see that one as well, just to see the depth of his dramatic abilities, which is what I like. You know, he's more well known for his comedic flair. But he was terrific as a dramatic actor. So now, when you go down the line there, now the 1940s were closing. 
you know, he closed it out with uh, The Bachelor and the Bobby Soxer with uh, Shirley Temple and the great Myrna Loy, another uh, collaboration that they did together. But of course, 1947, The Bishop's Wife with David Niven and Loretta Young. That's a movie that's shown a lot during the holiday season. And that one had a powerful lesson as well of what's more important in life. So definitely would check that out. Uh, Carrie was memorable in that role as well. And then, of course, 1948 was noteworthy because he did Every Girl Should Be Married, which ended up becoming a movie with his next wife, which was Betsy Drake. So this one was solid. I, I, I kind of like this one. It's very underrated today. It was a comedy, but I thought they both did well. Betsy Drake was a lot more talented than people give her credit for. So you definitely would appreciate that one. 1950s, another... Uh, interesting picture. It's not known at all the, what he did in 1950. It's called Crisis. And this one was a dramatic role. And this one was a suspense thriller, so to speak, because in this one, Cary Grant is playing a neurosurgeon and he becomes embroiled in a revolutionary uprising against a dictator at that time. So this movie was very good because I feel like he should have been nominated for an Academy on this one. You know, it was that deep and profound his role in that. But that's another one that you might want to check out some of his more underrated pictures. He also continued in the 1950s. He did more comedies, you know, Monkey Business with uh, Ginger Rogers and, of course, Marilyn Monroe when she was coming up. You know, Dream Wife with Deborah Carr. That one was did very well, too. But when you look at it, 1957 and A Fair to Remember. Again, pairing up with Deborah Carr. And this is, of course, a remake of 1939's Love Affair. So this movie was terrific as well. And it was so good because Leo McCary uh, did the first one, Love Affair, with um, Irene Dunn and Charles Boyer in the first uh, movie of that. But this one was done just as well. The cinematography, the color was excellent. Carrie did terrific, especially in that ending uh, with uh, I, with Deborah Carr, you know, if you have never seen this movie, it's about two lovers that meet on a cruise and they make the pact to, if they feel the same way, to meet in the Empire State Building and get married. And of course, a, a tragedy almost ensues that prevents that from happening. But you'll have to see that and appreciate the that's a tearjerker right there for everyone alike. And of course, he continued there, North by Northwest. This is where this is to me. The best Cary Grant-Alfred Hitchcock collaboration. I know a lot of people might disagree, but this movie right here had everything. It had the fashion, it had the drama, it had the witty script. I mean, the plot was terrific, and it started off from the get-go. It was over two hours long, but it was such a suspense thriller that you'll be at the edge of your seat, especially that ending involving Mount Rushmore. And, of course, James Mason great British actor. He deserves a lot of acclaim for his role in this movie, which sometimes gets overlooked. But of course, Carrie was settling in right into that uh, adventure, um, uh, dramatic acting roles that he was getting in that time. And of course, here he continued his career. In, I didn't get to mention as well that in 1953, you know, Carrie, of course, was a big star by this time. And I was actually reading that in Audrey Hepburn's breakout role, her Oscar-winning role in Roman Holiday, Cary Grant was actually offered that script first, and he turned it down because he had reservations about doing a movie with an unknown actress. 
Now, of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. That was not a great decision. It still turned out to be a great movie with Gregory Peck and Audrey, but I always think in the back of my mind how that plot would have been elevated if Carrie was in there. No disrespect to Gregory Peck, but I just think if they would have paired up in that movie, that would have been terrific. You know, that probably would have ended up being in that top 100 greatest movies. That's how uh, accomplished Carrie was at that time. But of course, they had the chance to pair up again in 1963 Charade, which was also similar along that Hitchcock kind of adventure type of movie, suspense, mystery. So that one was very good as well. And of course, he closed out the decade with uh, a couple of nondescript comedies there. Leslie Caron, 1964, The Father Goose. And then he ended his career in 1966 on his terms. You know, as I mentioned before, uh, Carrie had saved up well, had picked good scripts, had negotiated the rights, the gross profits for a lot of the pictures that he did. So that's why he was, as time progressed, he was able, he didn't have to feel compelled to accept lesser roles just for financial issues. So it was good on his part for doing that. And he ended his career on his terms. And so he closed out his movie career in 1966. And when you look at the history, for example, of um, James Bond, the original creator of it, he actually mentioned that there was a lot of elements in that storyline that he modeled after Cary Grant. Now, we'll never know for sure. There's been uh, sources that have said that he wanted Cary to be, to play that James Bond role, the first 007 but, of course, Carrie said he was too old for the role. But there's other sources that said that he just had him in mind as a template for that character, but not that he necessarily wanted him to play that first role. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we won't know for sure, but definitely you can see, for example, when you watch North by Northwest, I really believe that a lot of the James Bond, James Bond pictures were modeled after that because it's very similar. I mean, you could just picture um, Sean Connery, playing that movie, and it would be like the same element. You know, you have the beautiful love interest, you have the suspense, the complicated plot. So there was a lot of similarities there, you know. So it is, I, I kind of see the resemblance there. And of course, if Carrie was a little bit younger, he would have been a terrific James Bond. I mean, especially when you watch uh, 1955's To Catch a Thief uh, with, Cat, with um, Grace Kelly, another Hitchcock uh, and Grant compa- uh, collaboration. And that one was terrific, the cinematography. So, you know, Carrie, of course, was picking all these different roles and he acted with all the top leading ladies of his day. He excelled, they excelled, was nominated for two Academy Awards, didn't win any. And, you know, of course, you know, like I always say, that's not a knock because at that time there was a lot of great performers who, some who weren't even nominated. Like when you think the great Myrna Loy was never nominated for an Oscar, but that doesn't diminish her greatness. So in similar fashion, Cary Grant did not win a specific Academy Award for a specific performance, but he definitely was the prototype of, and he embodied the excellence of Hollywood's golden age. And he's an actor that should be remembered. I mean, his body of work speaks of it for itself. And to really try to come up with a list of top five movies, that would be a little very difficult because he had so many great hits there that I think it would do injustice to try to just fit them all in the top five. I mean, he had over at least 15 to 20 roles that I consider must-sees. And just to see how he evolved over that 34-year period, you know, from the beginning of the talkies 
all the way into the television age, and he still remained a relevant uh, movie star at that time. So, you know, Cary Grant, I, I would say, is probably the greatest male actor of Hollywood's golden age, you know, and if you haven't seen a lot of his pictures, I think you definitely should do so, and you will not be disappointed. So thank you so much for joining me on this episode of uh, Classic Hollywood Memories, and there's plenty more to come. Thank you so much.